You see, there are two kinds of people in this world. The workers and the hustlers. The hustlers never work and the workers never hustle. And you, my friend, are a worker. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. We're streaming out live on the Alternate Current Radio Network and also at 21stCenturyWire.com. This is a live broadcast. If you missed any of this live broadcast, you'll be able to listen to the podcast and downloads after the show, uh, right after the show on the show page here at 21 Wire, but also on iTunes uh, later on this evening. Uh, we're going to get started on uh, something here that... Uh, I would say, I would say, Mike, uh, that this is probably the most controversial documentary project that there is out there. Why is it so controversial? Well, the uh, the documentary is really uh, it's a critique of uh, something the mainstream media outlet uh, had put out in 2013, and we're talking about the BBC putting out Panorama is their sort of flagship investigative program, and they put out a documentary. Uh, called Saving Serious Children, and this was this was right before the war vote, basically, uh, and that's why it was particularly uh, emotive and particularly controversial. When I when we play this uh, clip, the, the the filmmakers here, and and we'll talk to Robert Stewart in a minute, but they're running a crowdfunding campaign, uh, so I'm going to play you a little clip um, from the video itself. And there's someone who is involved in sort of fronting this project. His name's Keith Allen. Uh, he's a famous uh, British actor. He's also an independent filmmaker, and he's been very active on a number of big issues over the over the years. He also most famously did a controversial documentary film about the, the death of Princess Diana uh, many years ago, which was kind of an underground success, uh, but uh, didn't poke and make it into the mainstream sphere because it was probably too controversial. But uh, So here's Keith Allen. Mike, so I'm going to play this uh, short clip, everybody. Uh, so listen to this. The BBC, good old auntie. You can trust the BBC. Or can you? Opinions waver about the BBC. They seem to waver between, well, can't they spend the licensed payers' money on Love Island or the BBC? Well... That's just the propaganda wing of the Tory party, isn't it? I mean, both perfectly valid questions. But believe it or not, there was a time when such questioning would have been considered absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it was there in black and white. The BBC it was the home of truth, independence and unquestionable integrity. But not anymore. Don't you see this? Don't you see this? Well, I do have a question, and it's this. Did the BBC collude with interested intelligence agencies and prescribed terrorist organisations to stage an atrocity that would be filmed and then broadcast with a view to influencing public opinion about going to war in Syria? They arrived like the walking dead. 29th of August 2013. As Parliament votes on military action in Syria... The BBC News at 10 broadcasts a report of teenage casualties of a napalm attack in a school playground in Aleppo. The BBC says the attack left scores of children with appalling burns, killing over 10. 
BBC News at 10 broadcaster report by Ian Pannell. Independent journalist Robert Stewart discovers many troubling anomalies, including wide discrepancies in the reported time of the attack, testimonies of local witnesses stating that the attack never happened, a British doctor's conclusion that this scene is an act. A month later, BBC Panorama broadcast Saving Syria's Children based around this very napalm incident. Scenes in the programme reveal that the Panorama team were embedded with Ahra al-Sham, a jihadi group linked to al-Qaeda and ISIS. Other shots show the Panorama crew filming up close and personal with ISIS. How did the BBC staff manage to avoid the orange jumpsuits and grisly fate of other Western journalists? Is there a connection with the highly realistic fake injuries used in British military training exercises? It's looking quite gruesome already, but it, but it is fake, it's not real. I don't know if we should trust the state broadcaster. I, I don't know. But what I do know is that if what trust you have has been betrayed, then it's beholden upon you to find out. So this is where you come in. Please help us to reach the target so that we can, we can discover the facts, examine the evidence, and present the truth about saving serious children. I think it's really important. Thank you. So that's uh, that's Keith Allen. That's Keith Allen, a uh, famous actor, uh, entertainer, British, also independent filmmaker. And uh, so that's his sales pitch uh, for this uh, crowdfunding campaign, which is available on Indiegogo. Uh, there is a link to it on the show page as well. Now, here's the uh, main uh, researcher and the filmmaker, Robert Stewart, joining us now on the live link for the Sunday Wire. Hello, Robert. How are you? Very well, thanks. So great, great to have you with us, uh, Robert. And uh, so, so Robert, uh, first of all, for for those people who aren't familiar with this project, can you just give us a just a quick synopsis? You know, a little introduction of how how you became interested in this, yeah. And, and then so, and and how this has kind of changed your life really uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, the last nearly six years, in fact, yeah. So he was on uh, the BBC News at ten on the 29th of August, 2013, um, that, that, that an excerpt from this panorama program was first shown. And this was at the precise moment that Parliament was voting on whether to join US-led military strikes on Syria. So on, on, while Parliament was voting, uh, at, exactly at that point, the BBC News at 10 put out this report of, um, of an airstrike, an alleged airstrike on a, on a school playground in, in Syria. And um, the report showed the teenage victims of this airstrike arriving at a hospital nearby, apparently writhing and groaning in agony. Now, these scenes um, were very harrowing, but very also oddly unreal. And um, the most frequent comparisons people make when they see the footage are to The Walking Dead or Michael Jackson's Thriller. So it, see it struck me as very odd. And a month later, um, BBC Panorama put out a program saving serious children, which was focused around this incident and contained more footage from this from this episode. Um, so I began writing to the BBC um, using its complaints um, channel, and um, 
I also began researching and lots of, and uh, as I began researching lots of uh, anomalies and contradictions arose so um, for, ex for example there's no agreement as to when this attack took place it's actually a six hour range um, Human Rights Watch say it took place at midday the reporter in question Ian Panel uh, in the BBC complaints correspondence I, I saw that he authored one of the word documents which I received um, from BBC complaints said this happened at 5.30pm and other people put it as late as 6pm so there's a six hour um, disparity in, in accounts of when the attack took place I also got in touch with investigators inside Syria and um, they interviewed people who lived locally um, one local resident said this never happened we never had something like this we never heard about it and also very interestingly um, the investigators interviewed a commander in the Free Syrian Army who was stationed in that area at that time somebody who you well expect to endorse anything which painted the Syrian government in a bad light but this person, this um, commander who, uh, whose name I have and I've checked out says this didn't happen it, it didn't happen, in this, there was nothing like this in that area where he was stationed at that time um, I've also um, been in touch with um, or um, through colleagues I've been in touch with um, a, a doctor who says that the injury is presented on real, it's an act and since then I mean on, uh, there's plenty of other medical opinion has come forward saying no this isn't real it is and this includes um uh, a, a u.s air force medic who served in vietnam other people who've uh, been who've been medics in the army which is kind of important um uh, i'll get onto that in a moment um also a former bbc employee has been in touch uh it was again with another colleague of mine um, and this person says, I was also a former employee of the BBC as part of the BBC high-risk team. I also left due to my disgust at the way facts have been ignored. The list is endless. Having just watched the short video with Robert Stewart saving Syria's children from 2013, I too flagged this up as being staged, staged along with other numerous failings. So, you know, uh, a BBC insider has now come out and said, you know, that they flagged this up as staged. Um, and going back to the um, medical opinions, one of the stars of Saving Serious Children was a Dr. Salia Assan, who has a medical background. Now, a year after Saving Serious Children, she fronted a BBC Newsnight report about um, a very highly sophisticated British military casualty simulation exercises called HOSPEX. Now, in this Newsnight report from 2014, we see these very sophisticated um, injury simulations and... Um, they, they look indistinguishable from the kinds of things that, which we saw in the Saving Serious Children program. And in fact, when you go on the website of the company which performed these simulations in these training exercises, they say that they specialize in um, producing chemical, biological, radiological and nuclear injury um, injuries, uh, simulated injuries, and that they can travel internationally as a small team. Now, I'm, I'm, I can't, you know, obviously it's speculation to say that this or any other company, similar company was involved, but it but these techniques are highly sophisticated and could fool anybody. Um, the most astonishing development, really, um, is that I have the name and approximate location in the Netherlands of somebody who seems to have taken part and, and played the part of one of these victims. Now, uh, this is a person who contacted me on Facebook. She seemingly was anxious about my sharing photographs uh, on Facebook of this event. Now, I didn't immediately recognise her. But then I did find some footage um, from YouTube from that from that day, um, from the same event, and there she is. She's a very distinctive-looking lady, and um, yeah, she she had this white cream on her face. She was portraying one of these victims, and when I go on her Facebook posts now, you know, there's no there's no scarring, there's no injuries. 
she clearly wasn't um, injured. You know, she clearly didn't have napalm sprayed on her face. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been researching this since 2013. Lots and lots of uh, information has come has, has arisen. I mean, I've had a lot of help with this. I mean, a lot of people, people who I don't even know on Twitter have helped me with this. I mean, um, somebody pointed out to me, to whom I'm very grateful, and I don't even know this person's name, but... Um, if you, if you, uh, by studying one of the sequences in the in Saving Serious Children, you can see that the car, the vehicle that um, the reporter Ian Pannell and his cameraman Darren Conway uh, were driving in, or a car in the convoy, the convoy they were driving in, has the logo of Arar Al Sham. Now this is a jihadi group uh, linked to Al Qaeda and ISIS. In fact, was a, a partner with ISIS uh, at that time, and which has been described elsewhere by the BBC as hardline Islamist in these other reports and um, yeah, th- as I say, this, this group was a partner with ISIS at that time uh, just three weeks earlier uh, it had, uh, along with ISIS and, and other groups, this, uh, this group that Ian Paddle and Darren Conway were embedded with had killed over 190 civilians and kidnapped over 200 mostly women and children in Latakia and this was just a matter of weeks before the panorama uh, crew were were driving around with them. Um, I mean, this this group of R. Al Sham is uh, its co-founder was a chap called Abu Khalid Al Suri, real name Mohammed Bahaya, who the Spanish have identified as or identified as one of Osama bin Laden's most trusted couriers, and they suspect that this person delivered surveillance tapes of the World Trade Center and other American landmarks to Al Qaeda's senior leadership uh, in 1998. So. It's amazing that, um, that, 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 to me, that the Panorama crew were driving around with with, with such an, an organisation. And in other shots, it seems, uh, when you piece it together with, with YouTube footage from the day, you can even see that the Panorama uh, crew were filming an ISIS vehicle. There's, a, there's an ISIS ambulance which um, which is picking up some of these alleged victims at the scene of this alleged attack. And then when he, and you can plainly see in the YouTube footage that it has an ISIS flag in the back window and then when he, when he drives uh, when it's filmed by BBC Panorama arriving at the hospital you can't you know, it's at an angle you can't quite see the flag so clearly quite so clearly but it's there and it's the same vehicle so it's and then you know the, the, um, everyone's helping to get these victims out so it seems that the, the BBC were quite comfortable filming up close with ISIS and, and cooperating with them um I mean, there's, there's lots of other issues in this. I mean, um, for instance, YouTube, the, BB, uh, the BBC removes all copies of this program, this documentary from YouTube when it's posted. Um, they, they've told me that this is um, that this was because they they focus on the most recent panoramas. And uh, at the time, they told me they, they were focusing on the most recent ones. But it's uh, this isn't the case. I mean, there are, there, are, there are countless other editions of Panorama, more recent, uh, and this this one has clearly been targeted for removal from, from YouTube. Um, the BBC failed to inform viewers that the other medic who's featured prominently in Saving Serious Children, Dr. Rola Hallam, um, is the daughter of a prominent Syrian opposition advocate, um, Moussa al-Kurdi, who has publicly, publicly called for the West to arm the Free Syrian Army. So, you know, she has uh, a skin in the game. Um, and Dr. Halam's charity, in fact, the charity which is which is um, kind of being showcased in this program, Saving Serious Children, um, is hand in hand for Syria. Now, um, one of the 
one of uh, one of the employees of, of Hand in Hand for Syria, who uh, who we don't see in the program, but whose brother we see. He's the he's the um, head of the hospital. We see that we see this chap's brother with with Doctor Halam, but um, the younger brother has been. Uh, has, uh, we can find photographs of him on Facebook posing with a whole array of weapons: assault rifles, anti-aircraft guns, shoulder-launched surface-to-air missiles. Uh, it's it's kind of astonishing, and I sent this stuff off to the Charity Commission, and their response was that uh, the images didn't raise sufficient regulatory concern. So, um, yeah, I mean, as you say, this is this has kind of been my preoccupation for almost six years, um, um, because I think it's 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 an absolutely historic case. I don't think there's anything like it. I mean, whatever anybody says about uh, you know media around the world or even whatever people whatever people say about the BBC I don't think any broadcaster has ever gone as far as as, as to me uh, what appears to be to be a complete uh, fabrication I mean perhaps I didn't state clearly enough and we can't see it of course um, visually but the the clip of the uh, of the young men arriving at, at the hospital writhing and groaning I mean it's 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 kind of um, you watch it once yes it's it's it's, it's gruesome it's harrowing you watch it a couple of times and it looks very wrong it begins to look very strange indeed i mean they're kind of stock still and then they one of them notices the camera kind of throws his arm up in a gesture and they all start rolling around and groaning and moaning on cue as it seems so i mean anybody who looks at that footage as i say the two references which come up are the walking dead or you know zombie films in general or michael jackson's thriller and it's just amazing to me that the, <laughs> the British public were presented with this on the 29th of August, 2013, and then a month later. And and we all accepted it. We all accepted it. It's it's kind of frightening yeah. the extent to which uh, we, can, we can passively consume this and uncritically. I mean, I show it to people blind um, or with, you know, without any context. And people say, of course, it's, it's a fake. I mean, I've had conversations on Twitter um, with with journalists, and I've shown them this, and they said, yes, it's absurd. And I've said, by the way, this is the BBC, and they they delete the tweets, you know, because it's it's uh, it's a taboo to uh, to come right out and say that the BBC faked uh, an atrocity. But this does seem to be what's happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not the first time uh, that the uh, the BBC has been accused of, um, let's say, staging, I guess, uh, reports. But this this one in particular is just, Mike. Uh, when you saw this for the first time, I remember actually we were together when this uh, when this aired, and we both couldn't believe what we were watching. Uh, so much so that we we started researching it immediately, and uh, they, well, well, we did, and this this. Was was one of the interesting things about Robert's work because we had done a certain amount of research on this, we'd come to certain conclusions, and then uh, independently of Robert, independently of Robert, and then we're introduced to Robert, and and he uh, presents to us what he has, and and it's just we're just able to go down the page, tick 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 tick, all the things that that he has recognised were were things that we now we didn't we disagreed about uh, some things at the time. But uh, as time has gone on, it's clear that, that actually Robert's uh, because we hadn't spent as much time as he had on it. So, so it's clear that his research was was more accurate than ours. But nonetheless, uh, uh, everything everything generally tied up, and uh, uh, that that was pretty fascinating. And the timing of it is uh, 
absolutely uncanny. Uh, no coincidence, in, in, in my opinion, and Robert probably agrees with me. But Robert, so the media reaction to your work, there's been a little bit of uh, pushback since you launched this crowdfunding. Uh, I just saw Chris York, uh, who's the uh, sort of resident, um, I don't know what to, how to describe him, but the sort of integrity attack dog of sorts. Uh, at the Huffington Post in the UK, ran a kind of a hit piece uh, going after uh, Keith Allen, Robert Stewart, saying how ridiculous this was. And it seems uh, that there's so... I've never seen this level of desperation because the editor of the Huffington Post actually had to take to Twitter to defend the reporter. Uh, Jess Brammer tweeted uh, just yesterday, the attack uh, was reported on by... He's talking about the uh, Panorama program here. She's saying the attack, the napalm attack, alleged napalm attack, was reported on by Ian Panel and his team, massively distinguished, brave, and highly respected journalists who risk their lives to operate in conflict zones, okay? So massively distinguished, and uh, that's an interesting interesting label there. So so what do you think about this, Robert, in terms of the media reaction? Do you, do you, do you think they're, uh, they're, they're, they're being uh, reasonable, or uh, do you think, uh, is it reasonable criticism, or do you think they're, they're, they're trying to sort of, I guess, uh, cover up or deflect away from what you're trying to expose? Well, I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, the uh, what put the cat among the pigeons was um, I was invited to speak on the Matthew Wright program on Friday on talk radio, which is kind of a very rare toehold toe to have in the, you know, corporate media world. And I'm very grateful to Matthew Wright. I mean, he gave me a very fair hearing and a sympathetic hearing. And um, although uh, Yasmin Alibi Brown, who was in the studio, was uh, was very grumpy about it and, and didn't didn't like what I was saying at all. But and, and I, it was obvious that um, the Huffington Post was hanging on to uh, to wait to wait for that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the media response. I mean, the, the, my uh, experience over the last six years is the media, the corporate media response, is silence. You know, and, and I've tweeted, I've contacted pretty much everybody you can imagine in in the corporate media world. And there's silence, you know, there's maybe a, a few sort of patronising responses. I mean, I've had some great support, um, you know, in, in the uh, in the sort of blogosphere. I mean, uh, Craig Murray, um, Jonathan Cook, former Guardian journalist, um, another journalist, Ian Fraser, uh, blue tick Twitter journalist and author Ian Fraser has, has come out and said it looks fake to me now. You know, that's very surprising. And what happens is these people immediately get, you know, the antibodies sort of... Uh, the Twitter antibodies come out, and uh, we, we all know who they are, and uh, they immediately come out and uh, start uh, sniping. And what they usually refer to is is the Ofcom uh, verdict from 2015 on a, on an RT program, which uh, you know Ofcom found against this RT program, which featured some of my um, points. And uh, but of course, what they never say is that the uh, the Ofcom report didn't, or you know, didn't validate the BBC's reports at all. It was, it was kind of a finding on a couple of technicalities uh, about um, how RT presented the material. Now, yeah, that's fine, but it's, all, it's always um, brought out as, as the fig leaf, which uh, the, these uh, antibodies can uh, sort of hide behind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there has been a kind of. Uh, Sort of uh, since this Huffington Post piece on uh, well, yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, there's been a, a lot of the sort of uh, corporate people have been tweeting about this. Um, Marion Jones, I think, is the guy who's uh, former. Uh, well, I mean, he, he played a very honourable role in in the Savile uh, 
exposure exposure i mean he was the person who was who wanted to, to uh, produce a news night report i think it was about savile in 2011 and it got quashed so you know somebody i would have respect for except that they're, they're calling um you know my research hooey and uh another guy um is it um oh, i've forgotten the, the guy's name another um uh, former bbc panorama guy has, has has been very dismissive so yeah i mean it's it's disappointing but unsurprising Mm. And wasn't uh, it's interesting, Mike, that uh, the uh, the BBC uh, researcher, assistant producer, I, I'm not sure of his exact title, but uh, Ryan Delati, uh, who actually came out not a few months ago uh, to make some very controversial statements uh, on social media regarding the uh, alleged uh, sarin stroke chlorine attack uh, in Douma in Syria, which took place in April. 2018, and I do believe that he worked on this production, uh, Saving Serious Children, this uh, Ian Panel production. Is that, is that right, Robert? Yeah, he was a researcher on that program. Um, I mean, I don't know if he whereabouts he was stationed, but yeah, he has a credit on Saving Serious Children, but he's he's never said anything about that, about it, to my knowledge. But yes, it's very interesting that he, he has, um, you know, he has cast doubt on, on, uh, on, on the Duma footage from last year. But as I say, what makes the Panorama uh, program so much more, uh, you know, so much more historic, in my view, is that it was filmed and produced by the BBC. So there's no question of them being duped or, you know, having third party footage uh, passed to them. This was their own material, which they produced and packaged Mm -hmm. via two independent production companies. But still, it's a BBC product with a BBC logo in the corner. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I looked at uh, some of the fakery um, that uh, CNN, uh, CNN fabricated. They were caught fabricating news reports, multiple news reports in Syria, staging as well, staging news reports uh, trying and passing it off, staging uh, what was they were trying to portray as attacks by the Assad regime, which was really them burning tires and uh, burning oil. Uh, after they had sort of sap or the or the rebels or or miscreants had sabotaged a a pipeline in Homs. Now, how do we know all this? Well, because it was it's all documented. Um, it's actually in a in a documentary film called The Veto, uh, which was so uh, one of the main contributors. To this film was actually Tony Wire's own Venice Vanessa Bealy. <laughs> so so there's no you know think of CNN is definitely on the level in terms of. Uh, size of media organization, prestige with the BBC, international, etc. And they fabricated and staged reporting. But not only them, Al Jazeera has been caught doing this. Al Jazeera has been caught colluding with uh, uh, the so-called rebels, which we now know are pre- prescribed uh, members of prescribed terrorist groups. Okay, uh, Not only that, passing sa- uh, satellite phones to the terrorists so they can have a, a, a direct line of communication with them, with Al Jazeera's reporters and so forth. So, and, and who knows, giving up positions from the other side. I mean, so there, this is the press directly involved uh, with, with the so-called, at the time, rebels, which we now know are hardcore uh, terrorist groups. There's no debate about that. Um, these aren't sort of choir boys, um, as, as Robert uh, described in great detail. Uh, just a few minutes ago, but Robert, Robert, the uh, the the one scene is, is definitely uh, a giveaway 
of the the woman uh, with the and the couple with the cream on their face. Um, it just it reminds me of the old days when they had to hire professional mourners, you know, along with the funerary violinists to come to the funeral and to to just so they'd be there just screaming, crying. And this was sort of a a casual profession for some mm-hmm. people. As, as this sort of reminded me of that. It was so bad the 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 the, the acting, you know. It's remarkable that scene. I mean, also somebody spotted um, that this woman who has to be stretched out of the back of an ambulance by five guys when she's being filmed by the BBC. You know, uh, fourteen kilometres previously when she was getting into the ambulance. We can, see, you know, from a, if you there's a YouTube video, you can see her walking. She doesn't need any help. She's fine, perfectly calm. Walks into the ambulance, climbs up the steps at the side of the ambulance, gets in, takes an upright seat, and then, you know, 14 kilometres later, when Darren Conway, BBC cameraman, films her, she's screaming her head off, being stretched out of the back by five guys, and, uh, you know, and then she goes inside, has a bit of cream put on her face, and then she's back outside again, on her, on her feet again, you know, uh, screaming and denouncing uh, Assad with her, with her alleged father, as you say, with this Greek chorus of relatives. Um, gnashing their teeth behind her. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, uh, th- th- there's that. There's so many scenes. I mean, the GIF, uh, the animated GIF that's going around of the, the sort of the Walking Dead uh, yeah. scene, uh, asking for a cigarette. That's that, that's you know a very powerful uh, short clip. And so, Mike, what what seems to be going on here in terms of the uh, the pushback or the sort of the, the wanting to mothball this whole thing uh, by the mainstream media is they're playing the credibility game. So they're saying, well, Ofcom ruled back in uh, 2014 that uh, this clip uh, by a Russia Today program was somehow misrepresenting the real. So anyway, I looked at that case, and actually, no, they did change the audio. The BBC did, but they've given themselves license to, you know, doctor the audio for whatever. And, and they, they, I don't know how they managed to sort of justify. How did they manage to justify that excuse, Robert? Well, this is the one thing I kind of um, I, d- I, I don't really have an issue with. They, uh, you know, maybe there are ethics around editing audio, but I mean, their explanation on this very narrow point does hold some water. I think they said that on the 29th of August, when um, the first report went out, that was and uh, and the audio said napalm. It's a napalm attack. This was so close to Guta five days previously that they wanted to make it to distinguish in the audience's mind. Uh, they want to distinguish this from the chemical, the, what the alleged chemical attack in, in Guta. So they wanted to make it clear what the final verdict of the doctors was, which was napalm. So they edited out the speculation about chemical weapons. And then a month later, when they showed the full panorama program, they included the full sentence, which include which has the doctor saying some kind of chem- chemical weapon, maybe napalm. So you know both. Uh, both of the things, uh, both of the uh, possibilities were in the sentence. The, the reason they, they gave being that they then had, you know, a month later, they had time to include, uh, you know, the full story. And it's sort of plausible. And But my point would be, well, you know, how can a doctor not know the difference? How can there be any uncertainty in a doctor's mind between the symptoms of a chemical attack, which would, would mean inhalation of a gas, I would, I would assume, and uh, burns to the skin caused by... Um, a, a gel, you know, an incendiary gel. So very different things. So the fact that the doctor is confused would be confused by those things is, is very strange to me. Yeah, no, I, that's a good point, Robert. That's a good point. And the other, the other credibility game is, uh, well, you know, the Huffington Post or some mainstream media outlets have said that this is a ridiculous uh, assertion here 
by these filmmakers uh, and that the Ian Panels team is massively distinguished. And you know, who, who are you, Robert, to question uh, the uh, integrity of uh, these qualified uh, mainstream journalists that uh, risk their lives to report from conflict zones? And, and that's, that's the general defense, I think, at this point. So you know, how would you respond to that? Well, I mean, I, I, clearly I am nobody, but I've, I've you know, I, 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 uh, I know how to watch a television. I can, you know, I've got a pair of eyes and I've got a functioning brain. So you just need to look at this material. It, it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, you just have to start to ask questions. And, um, I mean, Ian Powell doesn't work for the BBC anymore. Incidentally, he works for ABC News. Um, and as for being brave, well, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I certainly wouldn't want to drive to an ISIS checkpoint, as they do in, in Saving Serious Children. But... Uh, you know, when you consider that the group who was driving them through the checkpoint was Arar al-Sham, which was a partner group with ISIS at that time, you kind of have to wonder, well, you know, how much has this been set up in advance? And in fact, the cameraman appears to have darted between vehicles um, in, in that in that sequence of them going through the ISIS checkpoint, because in one uh, one there's a, in, in one shot he's talking to Ian Panel, or Ian Panel's talking to him in one car and then there are other, there's other footage of um, you know these, these ISIS guys at the checkpoint from the back of a different vehicle so it seems he could move between the vehicles in the vicinity of an ISIS checkpoint with impunity so um, I mean yeah obviously I don't want to go through an ISIS checkpoint at any point but um, and this was just a little bit before you know um, uh, the kidnappings and beheadings started but you know even so it's it's remarkable when you think that you know how could how could two western journalists and their um, helpers, you know, uh, uh, fixers get get through an ISIS checkpoint. I mean, it seems crazy now. This was August 2013 or September 2013 when it was broadcast. We didn't, you know, as I say, the uh, ISIS hadn't become quite the sort of bogeyman it, 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 it later did become. But even so, I mean, it seems remarkable that they could, you know, there was any possibility of getting through an ISIS checkpoint either, you know, without being murdered or kidnapped. Well, I, I think uh, your your suspicion on that is very well-founded, uh, Robert. And the reason is uh, I can say a, a number of clear examples of uh, certain outlets, mainstream media outlets, in fact, most of them really from, say, 2011 until probably only recently, maybe 2018, pretty much unanimously uh, have taken the side of the so-called rebels or the so-called you know, uh, insurgents or whatever you want to call them, in, in, in fact, they're terrorists. Uh, CNN had worked with uh, a known uh, fixer. His name is uh, Bilal Abdul Karim. He runs basically all the news broadcasts and propaganda for Al Qaeda and its affiliates out of Idlib. Still does, in fact. It's called On the Ground News, uh, and he worked with CNN's award-winning uh, reporter Clarissa Ward, and uh, she actually won a Peabody Award. So, you know, in, in that case, an Al Qaeda propagandist was uh, given, well, tangentially anyway, I don't know if his name was on the trophy or not, but was given the top uh, journalist award by the United States, uh, one of the United States press organizations. So that's one example. Uh, and also we see this with The Guardian as well, uh, all these embedded reporters. And the reason they're, they can move with impunity, uh, and this backs up what Robert's suspicions are, is because they're uh, all generating coverage which is sympathetic uh, to the terrorist cause. Or in this case, if you want to frame it, the rebel cause. Or they, early on, they were still calling it a revolution or, you know, the Arab Spring or something like that. But that whole myth, uh, all the mythology around that sort of kind of fell to pieces. 
uh, and not long after that, when people, the truth, truth started sort of seeping out, thanks in part, a large part as well, by uh, independent journalists like uh, Vanessa Bealey, like Eva Bartlett, like so many others, uh, and also people were actually starting paying attention to local coverage uh, from Syrian state media, for instance, uh, but also RT did a you know great job uh, on the ground reporting uh, on a lot of these stories and a lot of these uh, hot zones uh, early on, especially Aleppo. Um, so, in the, in that sense, the the public in general became more well informed of this and the mainstream narratives that they worked so hard to control uh, in Syria. They it's just sort of disintegrated and fell to pieces. And I think Robert, Robert, what do you think? Uh, uh, if the war had gone a different direction, in other words, if if the Western powers that had backed and the Gulf states that had backed this proxy war, all of these this giant collective, as it were, that were seeking regime change and to destabilize and regime change in Syria, if the war had gone a different way, in other words, if the if if the so-called rebel stroke terrorists had uh, had won and they had achieved regime change. No one would really be talking very much about this film. Uh, what do you think about that? I might still be, but no, you're right. Um, nobody, nobody would be. I mean, I mean, it's kind of. Uh, I mean, uh, as, as I say, this is um, this has been my focus for for, for five years, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I would I would still be, I would still be pursuing this. I think. I mean, I, you know, I've I've had my teeth into this for so long. I don't. I don't even the outcome of the war wouldn't have wouldn't have affected. Um, my pursuit of it. This is kind of um, just a sort of a line in the sand for me. And also, I'm going to remark here, Mike, uh, that the notorious Wikipedia editor, uh, Philip Cross, has been uh, busy working on the profile of Keith Allen. I noticed that. Did you see that? I is did. It, that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, quite a number of edits. I mean, just him editing it in the last few days uh, and quite a number of edits. Uh, just a coincidence, I'm sure. Yeah, just like the other 100,000 and all these defamatory edits from this uh, uh, crusader, uh, Philip Philip Cross, the notorious Wikipedia editor, linked to uh, various other mainstream attack dogs. That's interesting. So Keith Allen coming under a little bit of an attack uh, there. So uh, he's joined a very prestigious club, uh, Keith should know, of truth tellers and generally good journalists <laughs> who get attacked by uh, the Philip Crosses of the world. So where we're at now, uh, where are you at now, right now with the project? Uh, Robert, you know, the crowdfunding is still yeah. active, right? The crowdfunding is still active. It's uh, If you go to Indiegogo.com and put in Saving Serious Children Did the BBC Lie, you'll find it. Um, I think we're about at 8,000, 8, just over 8,000. I mean, we need 70,000. I don't know if we're going to get it. Um, we've got another month to run. Um, I mean, I, I, we should, I should say that um, this project is kind of the, um, the brainchild of Victor Lewis Smith, who became involved a couple of years ago. Um, he's a British um, TV, film and radio producer, uh, a, a very long-standing, and who's worked for the BBC um, for many years and who's, who's, who was providing um, content for them up until 2017 but then he saw one of my interviews actually it was, a, it was an interview uh, with yourself um, okay. with uh, our UK column and he saw that interview and um, then he challenged the Panorama office over it You know, wanted to um, know what was going on he thought the footage was fake and uh, they offered him uh, at first they promised him um, uh, a meeting 
uh, and then it was a phone call and then they said no we'll just put out a statement uh, on Facebook so Victor who had a contract with them ready to go to make a comedy series with Radio 4 tore up that contract and um, then got in touch with me to suggest making a, a film a crowdfunded documentary now it's taken two years to get to the point of launching it for various reasons um, but yeah Victor, Victor uh, must take the credit and of course well he and uh, Keith are long-standing colleagues um, they've worked together on a lot of uh, documentaries the, um, the Diana film you mentioned The Lawful Killing was, um, was their uh, joint work and, and that didn't get a, a it didn't get a release in this country because the lawyers wanted um, I think they wanted uh, several hundred cuts or a lot, a lot of cuts anyway so that was the reason that didn't get released over here um, so yeah we have Keith uh, fronting the, the campaign he's getting a lot of, uh, uh, of hatred on Twitter and elsewhere right now um, you know um, people are just dismissing it out of hand because you know they don't like Keith or, or whatever but uh, you know it, he's been immensely useful in attracting attention to the campaign I mean I, I wouldn't have certainly had the opportunity to go on uh, talk radio with Matthew Wright if Keith hadn't been involved so hugely grateful to Keith and to Victor um, so yeah uh, it may or may not happen but uh, the important thing is for people to go to the platform and just have a look at the uh, the material. All the links to my uh, research are in there. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a historic case. Um, I'd be interested to uh, see the um, the other examples I mentioned from Al Jazeera and um, and uh, uh, yeah, from Al Jazeera and, and uh, who was the other one? CNN. 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 Yeah. CNN. Um, so yeah, I. I but as far as I'm aware, this is this is historically unique. But uh, you know, if if there are other instances of, of uh, fabrication of news using you know actors, volunteers, I don't know how you describe them. I'd be interested to know. But to me, this is you know because I'm a you know we all grow we all grow with the, grow up with the BBC, we all imbibe it with our mother's milk onwards, uh, and and you know just to have this trust betrayed in such a gross way. This is why. I'm so, um, you know, um, fired up by this. Well, look, if you if you have any questions about this, uh, there's a link on the show page to Robert's blog, actually, uh, which is uh, Panorama Saving Serious Children. That's uh, extensive, extensive research on there. Robert has broken it down almost scene by scene, uh, but all the sort of things that we're talking about during this segment in much, much more detail. Uh, you can go and see on on robert's blog so you know whether the when this film uh is made or when it comes out eventually uh in the meantime you can get all the material really and all the information that you need to make your own mind up about this it's on robert's blog right now there's a link to it on the show page panorama saving series children dot wordpress dot com well robert we're gonna we're gonna wrap this segment up but you know, i just want to say and um and mike might have a final word as well but i just want to say good luck on this project i think even if uh, on this round we'll see what happens most likely i think you you, you have a good shot at a round two as well but uh, either way this has raised an incredible amount of awareness about this uh this issue and so, you know, we, we commend your, your hard work and dedication on this because, uh, as you said, it's, uh, you've really dedicated a, you know, good portion of your, of your life to pursuing this, this issue. And, uh, we, we tip our hats to your hard work, Robert. Thank you. Thanks very much, Patrick. Oh, and I would just echo that and, and all the best for, with it because, uh, this, this documentary does need to get made and the BBC does need to a- answer the questions which, which are being asked. Uh, you know, by your research. So, so uh, yeah, 
just want to echo that. Say good luck. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. All right, there he goes. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Robert Stewart. And if you want to learn more about this project, there's a link to both the crowdfunding campaign, but also Robert's blog as well, both equally important destinations to go and do your own research, make up your own mind on this. But I'll tell you, I've looked at this material, Mike, uh, and it's a very compelling case. Uh, I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a slam dunk until I could see the film made. But uh, if, if there's a good film made about this, uh, it's probably going to be a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. So something to look forward to. If you want to support this and get involved, uh, there's opportunities there on the crowdfunding platform, Indiegogo. Uh, so go check it out and do share it with your friends uh, on social media. And again, this is just the uh, the beginning of the process. Uh, so do, do have a good look. Have a good look. Talk to people about this if you haven't heard about it yet. You'll find it very interesting. One of the best case studies of all time for propaganda. This is the art of Western propaganda right here. This is the the uh, ultimate case study, uh, I think, in my opinion anyway. So uh, we'll, we're going to take a short commercial break uh, here on ACR. We'll be right back after these messages. This is the Sunday Wire. Stay right there. Yo, this is Russell Jordan, a.k.a. the Prime Artist. You're listening to the Sunday Wire with Patrick Henningsen. Alternate Current Radio. Keep it current. Stay locked. 